Good morning. Welcome to Thy Strong Word. I'm Pastor A.J. Espinosa. We're reading the entire Bible together, one chapter at a time. Here we are in Isaiah chapter 29. And this is, again, we're looking at a chapter that might start to sound a little bit more familiar this time. This is one that is read in church, and it's read in church because it's one that Jesus himself cites in the New Testament. Uh, not even once, but twice. You, you see this in Matthew, you see this in Mark. You've got a couple of different portions here. The one that perhaps is more familiar is the one where our Lord says to the people sent from John the Baptist, the blind see, the lame walk, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the poor have good news preached to them. That comes from this chapter of Isaiah. So what's going on in this chapter of Isaiah that makes it so quotable that it would show up in multiple places here? There's this cryptic description of Ariel at the beginning. And no, this isn't uh, an allusion to maybe the Disney movie that people are thinking about. It's talking about the city of Jerusalem, but why is he calling it Ariel? So questions encircle some of these familiar passages. And joining us today to explore those questions, we've got one of our regular guests. We've got Pastor uh, David Boyce Clare, pastor of faith in Bethesda Lutheran Churches in Pine Lawn, Missouri. Welcome back, brother. Good to have you on with us. For um, This is a really interesting chapter here in this sequence in the first part of Isaiah. Yes, it, it took me a little extra time to study. <laughs> for <it>. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, just, it just, I mean, not only is it, because it has this weird paradox, like I was saying, of kind of familiar, but also just kind of unfamiliar at the same time. Right, right. And it's sort of like a, a tie-in to like one of the other oracles to, to Dumas when it, when it was uh, Edom, you know. So, mm-hmm. so he does that once in a while. Mm-hmm. Right, well, right. And, and you do see that this, this does, I mean, tie into a, a couple of different things really in the context. It, I mean, we've seen it in the past chapter or so, all these kinds of, um, in, in the ESV, I guess it's some. Um, what do they say? They tr- they translate it as ah, but um, you know you could translate that as like alas or woe. So it's like continuing the woes, um, mm-hmm. and it, it just kind of keeps going. And we're going to see that again in the next chapter. So it, on the one hand, uh, yeah, it's got lots of connections to the to the stuff right around it, but it's also got at I mean at least two or three gospel connections. Exactly. Exactly. So yeah, so really, really interesting chapter, uh, unique in this sequence here, at chapter twenty nine. So good to be getting into this today and bringing in some some New Testament directly, kind of as we're approaching the um, the halfway point in Isaiah. Where I think I think we're right around it here in terms of length. Um, exactly. It's close anyway. Yeah. Right. Yeah, so thirty three. I guess you'd say thirty three would be. Well, you know, if you just take chapters, just chapter but, numbers, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but yeah, so we're right around that that halfway point here, and so that's it's kind of a nice thing to kind of see the New Testament connections as well. Then today, so uh, we'll we'll make sure that we have plenty of time. So let's go ahead and dig into this. Would you say a prayer for us as we get started? I'd love to. Oh Lord, you are our Father. We are the clay, and you are our Potter. We are all the work of your hand, as you molded our first. Father, Adam, so mold us by your Holy Spirit that we may be your people redeemed in Christ to hear your precious word as your will and teaching. 
guide us at this hour as we read the prophecy of your servant Isaiah. May we always regard with wonder your great love for us in our Lord Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, brother. And, you know, and that reminds me, your, your prayer, you're focusing on um, the other portion that we're going to see in here, the bit about the, the clay speaking out to the potter. And and that's not necessarily a quote, but that's even something that is, is perhaps picked up by Paul then, right? And I think Romans. Exactly. And, and so, Romans fi- was in Romans 15 where, where yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, so yet another place where it seems like the New Testament's picking up this chapter. So just what a chapter, right? So um, let's go ahead and start reading and sink our teeth into this here. Exactly. Let's go ahead and um, let's go ahead and read the first four verses because this is this is interesting. This is this multi part this multi part oracle here, and the first part is a word of judgment before you get into any word of redemption. So you can read this first part. And we can talk about, the, well, this very unique term here, um, Ariel. So let's go ahead, verses 1 through 4 of Isaiah chapter 29. Ah, uh, Ariel, Ariel, the city where David encamped, add year to year, let the feasts run their round, yet I will distress Ariel, and there shall be moaning and lamentation. And she shall be to me like an Ariel. And I will encamp against you all around, and I will besiege you with towers, and I will raise siege works against you. And you will be brought low. From the earth you shall speak, and from the dust your speech will be bowed down. Your voice shall come from the ground like the voice of a ghost. And from the dust your speech shall whisper. So this very poetic, is very poetic. <laughs> yeah, d- indeed, it, and it's a poetic description of, I mean, bringing someone down to the point where they're nearly dead, right? You, we've yes. seen already a few times where the the dust, you know, is associated with, you know, Sheol, the underworld, the place of the grave, a burial. Talking about the shades, right? And here already, your voice will be like the voice of a ghost. I mean, he's he's just laying it out. Ariel, whatever exactly that means, is going to very nearly die. Right. And the word Ariel sort of has, I mean, you know, again, the scholars are just looking at uh, the different meanings. The two main meanings, uh, the one would be a lion. Uh, right. So it'd be like lion of God, which kind of like points to the fact that uh, that Judah is the lion uh, you know the lion of Israel. Right. Um, also, the other one is that it is the um, a place where the burnt offering is is uh, so it be like the altar or or the the place where the burnt offering is burned or the sacrificial offering is 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 uh, burnt on on the um, altar of burnt offering in front of the temple, and so right. it it it, uh, it it's and then and then some. Scholars have pointed out that uh, they don't mention the ancient name of Jerusalem or Salem, mm-hmm. Shalem, because uh, the, the the name Shalem they recognize was a god of the Canaanites. And uh, but there, here it's kind of like completely purified of any type of um, Canaanite uh, 
connotation. And, and also, it's sort of like a, a mystic way of referring to the city of God. You know, like Duma is Edom spelled backwards. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. the Israelites didn't like Edom, or the Judah Judah didn't like Edom very much. So, mm-hmm. so uh, uh, you know, it, it is sort of like an insult to them <laughs> by spelling right. their the name of their nation backwards, or Duma, that's in, in, in chapter 21. But here here it's kind of like, but you know it's it's Jerusalem because it mentions David, and that right. would be when he conquered that city. Uh, mm-hmm. before, he, before he made it his capital, he surrounded it. And, mm-hmm. and what's interesting is in verse 3, it mentions about, the, I will camp around you all around. If you change the, there's a race at the end of that particular word, like a circle, and you put it and you change it to a dalit, so that it would be, you, you could translate verse 3, and I will encamp against you as David did. So that, hmm. that's, that's another another point, but but I mean you know it's just like a, kind of a shocking thing because this is this is the the capital of the uh, nation of Judah, you know that's sort of the the what, the purified remnant you might say of of God's people, and here it is under uh, uh, you know under judgment. Yeah, yeah, no, there's definitely it, it seems like there is um, definitely some wordplay going on here, right? And I mean, and you mentioned that the wordplay with um, with David, right? Like, there's there's the Hebrew word that says, you know, like like the ball or something like that, which I yes. guess we, oh, we like, kind of inter- yes, it, we kind of interpret that as some kind of like going in, like in a circle or or something like that. Um, but right, I think it's it's. I mean, in the Septuagint, it actually just says um, like David because of the similarity. I, I wonder if there is some kind of you know. Uh, play on word stuff going on where it's like, okay, you know, David took this city, right? Made it his yeah. own and like, well, I'm going to like be like camping against you now. You know, like, like you are like the foreigner and like, you know, like I am coming in and going to take the city. And then, and then, and then like, um, just Ariel too. I mean, yeah, you can hear that as, you know, lion of God. And you might think at first, like, oh, oh yeah, we're, we're the Lion of God. We're Judah. Judah is the Lion, of course. That's a fitting mm-hmm. title for us, right? You know, <laughs> like, you know, at first thinking, like, oh, yeah, we are Ariel. It's a pretty cool name for us. Um, and then you get to the end of verse 2. You know, there shall be moaning and lamentation, and she shall be to me like an Ariel. And you're like, oh, wait a second. He means Ariel like that, right? So, like, maybe, maybe it is the idea where it's like instead of, you know, being the strong, mighty lion, you are the altar hearth, the place of slaughter and sacrifice, uh, the, rather than the, the thing that slaughters and the thing um, that rips apart, but rather the thing that is slaughtered and the thing that yeah. is torn apart and sacrificed and offering. So maybe, maybe there is this kind of reversal thing going on here. Exactly. And 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 so multifaceted, like Scripture is. It's like a diamond that has many different facets you know, in, with any of our thinkers, you know, as as one professor told me uh, in the past, uh, you have the splitters and the lumpers. The splitters are the ones that you know take only one specific uh, tack in in, in in interpreting or, or or you know explaining something. But the lumpers are the ones that that like to take all of the all the explanation. I'm sort of like a lumper. I like to say, okay, I, Isaiah has all of these options and he's yeah. and all of this all of this is going on in this in this verse here. Or these verses. 
Yeah, no, it's, 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 I, I like that actually. The splitters and the lumpers. I, I am, I am a splitter by preference and a lumper by reluctance. Um, ah, yes. <laughs> so, very good. And when very I, when I, when I can't manage to split, I just say, okay, we're just going to have to lump it together. So <laughs> it's the only way to make sense of it. <laughs> But, but yeah, no, I mean, it does just because of the way it is here. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's striking how it just doesn't say Jerusalem anywhere, you know, and when, whenever you have that kind of omission, that maybe sometimes speaks as loud as anything that's actually present. So I feel like it is a little bit of a signal to, to take it into account, but think of, uh, think of the Savior's words. Oh, Jerusalem, yeah. Jerusalem, mm-hmm. the city that murders the prophets and stones those that are sent to her. How I would long have gathered your children, but you were not willing. You know what I mean? It's an Ariel, Ariel mm-hmm. <laughs> kind of a thing. Yeah, well, yeah, right. But but there's no, I, mean, I, I, feel like, I feel like that's the thing. I mean, I mean just, just think of the rhetorical effect, right? You know, like imagine that your father is speaking to you and he's, you know, he's addressing you by some other name or title, but he's not using your name, right? Uh, yeah. I mean, just just the effect of that, right, would just be, I mean, it's like this weird kind of distance, you know, it's sort of like, hang on a second, you know my name, why aren't you using my name? Why are you using some other name, right? Yeah. Um, I, I feel like it is... It's some. It's drawing some significance and pointing to it, and and um, I mean, it does make sense in this context of of judgment because it's talking about a siege again, right? And we we've talked about this before. This seems to be talking about that siege that occurred, you know, uh, right around 700 BC ish, when the Assyrians actually literally did encamped against Jerusalem all around, and they besieged Jerusalem with towers, and they raised siege works against Jerusalem and that's and that's what they did that's what happened mm-hmm. and, and 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 then of course that's sort of like repeated you know that that is sort of like a gospel event that first time and then the second time it wasn't very gospelish uh, and then you have of course the Romans finally uh, laying siege to Jerusalem as well and, and and so it's like a like law and gospels going on here well, well, no, that's true. I mean, and, and we're and we're getting there. This is this is the the, the law part of it, right? That it's yes. right now. It's just you know you're being brought low. You're going to be like a ghost. You know, like there's an image of death right there. So the siege is on, and that's at first just a scary thing. But yes, there is a turn in verse five, and maybe we should just go ahead and read this this turn here because it's not all bad news. So. Yeah. In, in verse five, it picks up, and, and I think it kind of goes through maybe this part in verse what through verse eight. Um, yeah. you, I mean, it, it kind of sounds a little bit more gospel-like. It still yeah. doesn't sound particularly happy, but at least it's <laughs> maybe not all bad news. At least, You're right? Um, let's go ahead and read these next four verses here. But the multitude of your foreign foes shall be like small dust, and the multitude of the ruthless like passing chaff. And in an instant, suddenly, you will be visited by the Lord of hosts with thunder and with earthquake and great noise, with whirlwind and tempest and the flame of devouring fire. And against the multitude of the nations that fight against Ariel, all that fight against her and her stronghold and distress her shall be like a dream. A vision of the night. 
as when a hungry man dreams and behold he's eating and awakes with his hunger not satisfied or as when a thirsty man dreams and behold he's drinking and awakes faint with his thirst not quenched so shall the multitude of all the nations be that fight against mount zion mm. yeah so so it gets turned around right it, it's at first this this condemning oracle of you know i'm gonna I mean, I'm not even going to call you Jerusalem. I'm calling you Ariel, and you're going to be brought low. But but now the Lord of hosts comes, and even though it's scary, right, like thunder and earthquake and noise, it's being turned against the nations and not Ariel anymore. Right. And and it's interesting in this, uh, he met, it, there is a uh, mention in verse 5, uh, about the foes being like small dust. Uh, when, mm-hmm. If you compare that, when Abraham was told by God that your descendants will be like the sand, the grains of sand on the shore, uh, this this is even emphasizing the foes even more than the numbers of God's people by saying they're like the small dust. And even that, even though that is true. Uh, yet, you know, I'm in charge, and that's and that's one of the uh, you know I as a as a preparation for this, I read all of the chapters before this, mm. and and you, and and just struck with the fact that God wants to make known that He's not only the God of Israel and of Judah and of uh, of Jerusalem, but He is also the God of all nations and of the entire right. world. That's the mm-hmm. that's the one of the the themes or motifs that's going through Isaiah's prophecy Cer- is that, that 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 he is he's in charge. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's the sovereign well, yeah. lord, well, and, and and that's why you get that that title, like Lord of Hosts. I mean, like it, it's you know he's the god in control of all the armies, whether it's the army of the Assyrians or the army of Judah or the army of the Egyptians. He's the one who gives kingdoms to men of the earth and takes them away just as easily he's the one behind it all and and using that term there in verse six that title for god calling him you know lord of hosts yahweh Sabaoth, that's that's definitely as you're saying that that's pointing to that theme that you keep seeing again and again and um and and so yeah so just as easily as he brought them on i mean isn't that interesting right i mean it says that the um how does it put it in verse seven the multitude of all the nations that fight against ariel all that fight against her and her stronghold and distress her so there is talking like the foreign nations are the ones doing all this right yes yes it but does. In, 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 in the first part you know it was like you know um you know he he's pronouncing the woe against ariel and there shall be moaning and lamentation you know distress and all the rest so it, it's you know it's clear that it's really god who's the one who's doing all this through the Assyrians, but now he's going to punish the Assyrians um, be, because, I mean, he, he can do that just as just as easily. And even though he uses one nation in one moment, he can switch and, and use it just the opposite way in the next. Yes, and, and, and a lot of times uh, you have in Scripture where he does use these foreign nations to punish his people, that if they uh, really, uh, you know, get... get um, um, go berserk and and really, uh, then he goes after them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you might say, right. you 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 did more than I wanted you to, so I'm going yes. I'm going to uh, correct that. Well, isn't isn't it interesting, right? I mean, so what what does he do to Jerusalem? You know, he brings him down to the ground, down to the dust, right? Um, and then in in verse five, 
Um, I hear what you're saying that, you know, one way of thinking about that, and I think the translations kind of, um, some translations go one way, some translations go the other. One way of translating this is that, that the foreign foes shall be like small dust is in like, they'll be so numerous. The other way of translating oh, it mm-hmm. is like, they will become fine dust, you know, like you just, uh, oh. you know, like, and I, and I can't think of, uh, I can't help but think of like all the different like movies and those different scenes where like things were just vaporized and turned into dust. Right. And yes. it's, it's like, they just kind of crumble and just kind of like almost like they almost just, uh, evaporate or sublimate into the wind. Right. And it says there, the multitude of the ruthless shall be like passing chaff. Right. Reminds you of the Psalm, right. Where, you know, the, the righteous is like a firmly rooted tree planted by flowing streams, but they're unrighteous, the wicked, they're, they're like chaff that's just blown away by the wind and it's just gone. Well, even like looking at a tornado, you know, we've mm-hmm. had a lot of instances of tornadoes here in, in uh, this part of the country. Mm-hmm. Uh, a tornado can be so destructive and so big and huge, and yet it would dissipate at, in, in, in mm-hmm. an instant. Yeah, uh, you know, it, it's like it, that's that's kind of like the idea there. It's even though it is, it's such a threat and it's so right. awesome, it it uh, just dissipates, uh, right? Just at an instant. Yeah, yeah, you know, that, that's. I mean, that's. I mean, I think that's helpful when it talks about you know the Lord of Hosts, you know, like a whirlwind and tempest and a flame and a fire. I mean, uh, and fire. Now that's the one that we relate to a little bit more in uh, California right now, but you know, it's oh, yes. uh, with, with with all these things, it's it's amazing how as powerful and invincible as they seem to be when they're at their full strength, like they can just, you just be gone all of a sudden, right? Like, um, it's just here today and gone tomorrow. And it, and that, that's that kind of imagery you have with the dream, right? Um, it's like, you know, the hungry man dreaming, <laughs> what a, you know, what, what, a, what an image you're like the hungry man dreaming of this feast. And then you wake up and you're like, Oh man, where's breakfast? Right. Or like the thirsty man dreaming of, of something. And then like you wake up in the morning, you're just dying of thirst. And so, it's very interesting because the the image I think is like you know the Assyrians are ready to feast on Jerusalem, and that was what we had in, in the previous chapter in twenty eight, right? That the yes. that Jerusalem would be like that first ripe summer fig that's just going to be you know plucked and popped in the mouth, right, and just be swallowed whole, right? Mm-hmm. And so you know here's the Assyrians coming to just you know you know pop it in in their mouth, right? Um, but it's just they they wake up from a dream and. It's gone. They're in no position to take Jerusalem. It'll it'll be like you know their whole army, their whole attack has just been turned to dust and blown away. Isn't it interesting that using the dream um, uh, imagery here um, is like uh, your dream is possibly your body trying to keep you asleep, and so you, if you are really <laughs> hungry, you dream about eating, so you will stay asleep and not wake right. up and try to eat or get, or get something to drink. Yeah. Um, you know, it's interesting, when I, I, I just noticed uh, last night I had a dream, and in, in, uh, how a lot of times dreams are, you know, anytime I, I think, well, I have to go somewhere, and I, I, I put my attention to it, it seems to fade away, and I, mm. and, you know, and I never get to where I want to go or I never get mm. to do what I want to do. That's kind of that's kind of the way the dream mm-hmm. a dream is in that respect. Right. Yeah, yeah, no, that's right. The um yeah, the closer it seems to to kind of arrive in your hand, the the more it just kind of slips through your fingers. It's just kind of like it never you never really can put your finger on it um in in a, in a dream. It just it's just kind of all uh, all illusion, all form. Yes. It's like a it's it's like fog or something like that, right? You you, you exactly. never can grab it. But 
the so so that's interesting though because sleep is, is then kind of this metaphor um, that gets picked up and developed a little bit more then in the next two verses here and I'll just read these and we got to go into our break here but um, just we can just kind of read these and ponder before we go into the break astonish yourselves and be astonished blind yourselves and be blind be drunk but not with wine stagger but not with strong drink. For the Lord has poured out upon you a spirit of deep sleep and has closed your eyes, the prophets, and covered your heads, the seers. So, I mean, here we go again with this, this sleeping imagery. We'll have to take our break here and get to this when we get back. But everybody hang with us. Isaiah chapter 29 here on Thy Strong Word. Be right back. Emanuel Lutheran Church, Washington, Missouri, is hosting its 77th annual Pork Sausage Dinner Sunday, November 3rd from 11 a.m. to 6 p.m. Homemade sausage, sauerkraut, homemade apple sauce, all you can eat. You're also welcome to attend November 16th at 7.30 p.m. The American Contari, featuring the works of Johann Sebastian Bach and voice and instrument. You are very welcome to attend these events at Emanuel Lutheran, Washington, Missouri. Since 1978, Lutheran Church Extension Fund has had the humble privilege of supporting Lutheran Church Missouri Synod Ministries and her workers. Thanks to faithful investors, LCEF has provided thousands of church workers, congregations, schools, and organizations with the low-cost loans and resources they need to reach more people with the saving name of Christ. To learn more, visit lcef.org or call 800-843-5233, 800-843-5233. This is Pastor Brian Wolfmuller inviting you to join me every Monday afternoon on Cross Defense, 2 o'clock to 3 o'clock here on KFUO Radio, where we take up curious topics, curious Christian topics, to excite our imaginations, equip our minds, and comfort our consciences with the supreme and beautiful clarity of God's Word. It happens on Cross Defense every Monday afternoon, 2 to 3, here on KFUO. Please make plans to join us. And if you can't join us live, check out the podcast at kfuo.org. Welcome back, everybody, to Thy Strong Word. I'm Pastor A.J. Espinosa. We're joined today by Pastor David Boisclare, pastor of Faith in Bethesda Lutheran Churches in Pine Lawn, Missouri, looking at Isaiah chapter 29. And we just read these last two verses here in verses 9 and 10 that deal with this idea of sleep. You know, we, we just were talking about there's this dream idea, and that's kind of how it just it just vanishes. The Assyrians thought like, you know, like as if they were in a dream that they were gonna be able to just sink their teeth into Jerusalem and then suddenly they wake up and it's gone. Uh, if you've got a question for us or a comment as we're going through this I mean, just really interesting poetic imagery here in Isaiah 29, and especially as we get into the New Testament stuff in the second half of the chapter, give us a call if you're in St. Louis, 314-821-0850, or everyone, you can also call 1-800-730-2727, or send an email to kfuo at kfuo.org. 
And, you know, uh, you're, you know, we were just talking about this whole, like you, you dream about this and then it's gone. It's like your, your body's way of kind of dealing with the hunger that you're experiencing. Well, really funny because we go into that break and then you hear that spot for Emmanuel in Washington, Missouri, talking about this sausage supper that's been invited, we're invited to. And then, and then oh, it's yeah. gone. <laughs> <laughs> it's gone. It's just an invitation. <laughs> like, oh, no, I'm not going to. I'm not going to be able to make that, am I? No, no, no sausage. That's a, quite a, a legendary one of our uh, events here. That's sort of customary in Missouri for oh. congregations to have their annual dinners. It's best to have them yeah. on Sunday, not Saturday. We, I think my congregation, we had it on Saturday. But anyway, uh, <laughs> like I say, uh, it, yeah, it, it, there's a little bit of intoxication going on here, uh-huh. too. And it's kind of like parallel with uh, chapter six, where it says, "Make the heart uh, or the you know the heart of this people dull." Or mm-hmm. you know, in other words, it talks about hardening people. Or mm-hmm. you know, in other words, uh, sort of like as a judgment uh, right. by God that they're not that, that they are not uh, keen to hearing the word of God and mm-hmm. and, and to uh, taking that to heart and and doing you know and following the Lord. Right. Well, this is like for this is sort of like directed against the uh, uh, like the Assyrians or the enemies of God's people, though. Right. Yeah. No. It reminds me how we. What was it here? I think it was in in chapter eight or twenty eight, the last chapter that we were in. How there was a taunt against against um, Isaiah and against God that, that they were using against them. And it was like, what was it here? It was like line upon line or here, here a little, there a little precept upon precept. Right. Yeah. 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 And so they were, they were using this and it was like, you know, they, they don't have the opportunity to really prove themselves to be stubborn and hard hearted until Isaiah opens his mouth. Right. And then they really kind of condemn themselves. And so similarly here, it's like, you, you don't really, uh, you're not really proving yourself to just just to see how blind or it's it's like when um the lord says in john you know like you know if you had not said we can see then you know that you would not actually be proven to be blind it's you kind of have this opportunity where you kind of uh you know i guess you kind of tie your own noose right you kind of hang, yes. hang, yeah. hang yourself exactly. really yeah exactly you know i wonder like for instance when when uh, god is calling on isaiah to speak his word to his people it's sort of by even just speaking the word they become obdurate or you know hard-hearted and right. and, and and in other words go on preaching my word and that of course will result in them being hardened uh, by themselves you right. know uh, and sometimes god of course hardens in order to as as a punishment to those who are are hard-hearted themselves like pharaoh in in mm-hmm. with uh, letting the people of israel go and um as you said it's like building your own noose uh, right. or, or well, tying your own noose. And, yeah, and we're, we're going to see that. You mentioned you know, e- Egypt. We're going to get that wonder upon wonder in just a little bit. Maybe we should just go ahead and read that part, actually. I, want, I do want to make sure we have plenty of time for the New Testament stuff. Um, if we read verses 11 through uh, 14 here, that, that gets you the illusion here. Let's just read these four verses. And the vision of all this has become to you like the words of a book that's sealed. When men give it to one who can read, saying, Read this, he says, I cannot, for it's sealed. 
And when they give the book to one who cannot read, saying, Read this, he says, I cannot read. And the Lord said, Because this people draw near with their mouth and honor me with their lips, while their hearts are far from me, and their fear of me is a commandment taught by men, therefore, behold, I will again do wonderful things with this people, with wonder upon wonder, and the wisdom of their wise men shall perish, and the discernment of their discerning men shall be hidden. So it's really interesting here, and part of the reason is because I feel I feel like I'm being tugged in different directions in terms of like who are exactly are we talking about, right? Because right. it's like you it's like you said in verses nine and ten. I mean, it kind of follows the stuff that's talking against the people of God, but at a certain point, you're looking at this, and it, and it feels like we're actually talking about the the hard-hearted people of God um, themselves, who just kind of time and time again just um, forget their Maker and, and turn away from the one who um, has put His name on them. Well, and I think in verse ten, when you talk about prophets and seers, right. here, you're, here, here it does make the application to God's people, and it's like a, it's like he tells a parable here, where he talks about a scroll which is sealed. Uh, you know, the one guy, uh, you know, it's like I cannot, you know, I don't have the authority to open the seal um, and read it, and and then the other you know and the other one is uh can't read at all and then he, then he gives the application where he says this people draws near with me with their mouths but their hearts are far from me and that's of course what the lord uses as well to condemn uh the pharisees and the scribes mhm right so so that gets picked up it's in like mark 7 and that's and that's where we actually have it read in church we have this it's read in isaiah 29 and it's read alongside Mark chapter seven, and it's just as you were saying, it's it's against the Pharisees and the scribes. So people who they definitely could have read, them, they they would have understood, um, and, and yet um, did they really have the authority to read it? I mean, how, how do you think that kind of like applies to to them in that case? Well, you know, they they are uh, they of course do not believe that uh that jesus is the messiah they they do not um uh they they do not understand the proper distinction between law and gospel <laughs> or uh they're 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 uh they they basically uh, make tradition uh the manner in which they worship god and they don't and they, and they don't follow the word of god that was sort of the same thing at the time of the reformation uh you know that's what luther says you know to heck with your tradition it what's what does the word of god say even our Lord Jesus Christ says, "What does what does the word say? Not your tradition, and you, and you and in vain do they worship me, teaching as as doctrine the precepts of men, mm-hmm. and and that's part of that's part of the uh, you know the hardness or the the dullness of of those folks." Right. Well, yeah, yeah, no. So I think it's the hardness and the tradition part, right? Because when our Lord quotes it, right, that's what he, so he he goes and he quotes these verses from Isaiah. And then he says, you leave the commandment of God and you hold to the tradition of men. And in that particular context, right, they're talking about this, you know, this, um, they talk about this, this washing of things and how, and Mark comments that, 
you know, they wash everything. It's like, you know, they have these special washings for cups and pots and copper vessels and dining couches. It's just, you know, here they are with everything. And so um, they're they're scandalized by the the disciples behavior right and and jesus in this context is just saying you guys you have completely missed the work of god you've completely missed the point you're rejecting the commandments of god and he gives that example of a korban um there with relation to the the fourth commandment honor your father and your mother so he, he's saying you know here you go and you take the the things of god which are for you it's like the, that scroll right and you're, mm-hmm. you're, we're handing you the scroll, and you can read it, but you're like, oh, well, uh, it's not for me right now, or I, I shouldn't really be the one reading this, right? It reminds me of um, earlier in Isaiah how Isaiah says, oh, house of David, you know, ask for a sign, anything from heaven to Sheol. And then, you know, what does Ahaz say? Like, oh, well, you know, be it, far be it for me to put God to the test, right? I mean, it's this, it's this, it's this faux modesty, right? This, this false humility mm-hmm. of like, oh, well... It, no, no, I wouldn't want to do that, and, and, and this kind of fake piety, this this kind of show off piety, and and, and what so uh, comes through too, uh, like when I'm at the, in my pulpit, I I am you know I charge myself to preach only the Word of God, and 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 uh, be very careful to distinguish if I'm uh, letting know uh, letting them know maybe just a an illustrative opinion or something like that but ultimately we need to preach the word and and uh, that and, and faithfulness to to what God's word is is so important here well right i mean to there's there's um i mean you know and it's there's there's no helping i suppose on a certain level allowing the word of god to be in a, in a sense kind of incarnate or um in the context of you know who we really are which is kind of full of our own like ideas and opinions and perspectives and it's just there's always going to be kind of a messy entanglement <laughs> of oh, yeah. those things but but, but there's as long diff- as you as long as you say well the, you know I, I you know I, so that they can see and or understand or try yeah. to help them to to yeah, at right. least make that distinction you know there's, that's there's there's a difference there's a difference between right you know it's like you know the word of god is 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 in is in this you know the, this like real flesh and blood human being who has you know their own perspectives and culture and uh, experiences and all the rest of it to where we're going to take those aspects right and then kind of just magnify those and fixate on those to the point where we're actually just putting the word of god aside entirely which is right. which is what they were doing right and so um just in the same way that like in this little parable here of someone who's just actually just taking the words of the book and just setting it aside and saying nope i'm not going to read it <laughs> um it's it's like the way that jesus is saying like that's what you guys are doing to moses basically you're just basically saying we're going to put moses aside um because we have a better idea apparently yeah exactly Right. So, so you get that, that that's, that's, um, used to, I mean, quite a, um, pointed, um, attack by Jesus on the Pharisees and the scribes for their hypocrisy there in the new Testament. And it's not the only thing though, that you see in the new Testament. And we're going to uh, start coming up on the, uh, the other portion that gets quoted pretty soon. The last thing on this section I wanted to point out, though, you get that phrase, I will, I will do wonderful things with this people with wonder upon wonder. You know, and 
that's interesting because whenever I see that phrase, you know, like wonder upon wonder, that that's what sounds to me a lot like the Exodus, what, you know, Egypt, mm-hmm. when when God's letting loose his wonders, that's um that's a scary thing. Exactly. So even though it's, you know, ultimately for the purposes of salvation in the end, and there's going to be some good that comes out of this, like, you know, I will again do wonderful things with this people. I mean, that's not necessarily what you want to put on your, like, you know, your your kind of congratulations, confirmation, birthday card that you give to somebody in your congregation, right? Because wonderful things with this people, like, ooh, not these sorts of wonders, right? So, um, you know, it, it is in the... Um, I mean, these really, the, the the calamities of God that, you know, is, what's it say there, right? The wisdom of the wise men perishes and the discernment of the discerning men is hidden. It, it's when God lets loose calamity that the wise man just doesn't have a comeback, doesn't have an answer anymore when exactly. we are just brought to our knees in humility. And that And that's the whole thing. Because at you know even at the time of the Assyrian uh, attack and, and and that was quite a devastating attack. They pretty much devastated the countryside of Judah. They destroyed the city of Lachish and, and other cities. And and as Isaiah says that that Jerusalem becomes like a a little hut out in the cucumber field. Right. You know, and 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 then and so he's and then of course the king Hezekiah you know humbles himself yes. very deeply before God. And that's what exactly. God wants us to do. He wants us to repent, wants mm-hmm. us to turn to Him. Exactly, and so I mean, and that's, and that's, I mean, that, that's the reaction that He He wants for us. You know, that we're not. Um, he's doing all this stuff, and we're just like cheering and saying, "Yeah, you know, God <laughs> let the other side have it." You know, those guys. We knew they had it coming to them, and I mean, no, it's it's, it's when He does this stuff. I mean, we we all just put on, you know, sackcloth and ashes, um, in a way of speaking, because we say like, man, that could have been me just as easily as it could have been him. And, and I don't really deserve any of this. And I didn't earn any of this just as Hezekiah had to say, wow, it's only because of the angel of the Lord going and and attacking the Assyrians that we survived. It was not because of my planning and, you know, the the tunnel that I built and all of this, it was, we were only going to survive this with the action of God. So it's, or the intrigue with Egypt, you know, trusting in Egypt or, you know, trusting in our diplomacy. Yeah. It wasn't because of that. Yeah. Yeah, no, no. That that that's the thing that almost uh, made everything. Well, I mean, did it just did actually make everything worse? He made the yeah. alliance with Egypt, and it just ticked Assyria off even more. Exactly. All right. Well, let's keep pressing on here, picking up at verse fifteen, and this will take us to this second um, New Testament allusion, or actually the second and the third. Um, <clears throat> Ah, you who hide deep from the Lord your counsel, whose deeds are in the dark, and who say, Who sees us? Who knows us? You turn things upside down. Shall the potter be regarded as the clay? And the thing that is made should say of its maker, He did not make me, or the thing formed say of him who formed it, He has no understanding? Is it not yet a very little while until Lebanon shall be turned into a fruitful field? And the fruitful field shall be regarded as a forest. In that day the deaf shall hear the words of a book, 
and out of their gloom and darkness the eyes of the blind shall see. The meek shall obtain fresh joy in the Lord, the poor among mankind shall exult in the Holy One of Israel, for the ruthlessness the ruthless shall come to nothing, and the scoffer cease, and all who watch to do evil shall be cut off, who by a word make a man out to be an offender and lay a snare for him who reproves in the gate, and with an empty plea turn aside him who is in the right. So you know, here, here is more of this grand reversal, and in the reversal, I mean, it's it's um, there's these these different facets to it. The the first is like the would be reversal, where you know, hey, you're the ones who are turning things upside down and getting this mixed up with who's the potter and who's the clay. So that's kind of like the first side to it, and and then it's God's side of the reversal, where God says, no, look at this straight. I am the potter, you're the clay, and so to show it to you, I'm going to make the deaf hear and the and the blind see. I'm going to turn uh, the uh, mountains of Lebanon into a fruitful field instead of a wasteland. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm going to I'm going to bring water into the desert. You know, all of that, and and it's interesting about the potter. Something I uh, you know in studying this it, to think about it really brings you back to Genesis two where mm. God forms man of the dust of the ground and breathes into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. Mm. Uh, and then it's interesting in verse 21 where they, it says, you make a man. Uh, the, the word there is not the word ish, but the word adam. And and so you, mm-hmm. you, you have that connection. I never really thought of that before, because that business about potter. Oh, yeah, I can understand. We're potter. He's the potter, and we're the clay. But they're talking about creation. They're talking right. about when God created ma- human beings in the beginning. You right. know, and 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 uh, and like you say, in in the case of where Paul takes that up, he's taking it up in the ca- question of election. Uh, that uh, that there, we are saved solely by God's grace, and because God, you know, and and part of that is that God chooses us for salvation. I mean, that's the teaching of Scripture, uh, but which emphasizes the fact that we're saved by grace. And he is, and then, then if we say, well, that's not fair, <laughs> and, and, and who does he think he is? Well, he's the potter, and I'm just the clay. He could have, right. when, when Adam and Eve sinned against the Lord, he could have just broke, uh, destroyed him and started over. But he didn't, did he? Right. Yeah, no, absolutely. That that language of of forming, it's right there in Genesis. I mean, like, I mean, it's there with everything that God did. That He was the Potter behind all of it. There's all this that that forming language. It's there in Genesis one, where it's like He's like, it, you know, it's as if He was like, you know, He reached down in there and He separates out the sky from the sea and the sea from the land and just everything is just you know like the putty in the hands of the maker you know and 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 more and more than that like it only stays that way because it's almost like he's he's got his fingers in it still <laughs> like yeah, if, if he yeah. were if he were to pull away from it the whole thing would just come crashing down and that's like nearly what happened um in the flood right but it's the idea that it's not just adam and eve that were creations of god but that every single human life i mean as you were pointing out in verse 21 that word adam is there used because Every single man is a creation of God. God has formed them in the womb. You know, it's like what uh, Luther says, God has made me. 
and all and all and all creatures. And all you know, creatures. And, and what's interesting is I'm glad he still has his fingers in it. It's kind of like the Pharisees saying to Jesus, "You're supposed to rest on the Sabbath day," and Jesus says, "Well, my Father's working and I'm That's working. Right. Imagine right. what would happen if God was not working on the Sabbath day. The whole." Right universe would disappear <laughs> that's right that's right no no that, that's i mean that and that's just the thing it's it's not deism and then we can't get sidetracked we we get distracted like that and think that like oh if we just prove that god did something a long time ago that'll settle everything you know? oh yeah, Abs- yeah absolutely not you know the, the idea that god just kind of got the ball rolling or something right and that's all we needed him to do I mean, what arrogance he's, but he's think, still got his hands in the hands in the dough. He's still well, no, he's still that's, forming that's right. the forming that's, the clay. That, that, that's right. Yeah. No. Every single life, every single moment has to be formed by him, or, or else there's nothing. There's I mean, nothing can just go on by itself. And so it's it's that audacity, that arrogance that we have to think that we don't really need God or. Um, or, or that He's not really there, you know. Still, and we say like He did not make me. Or he has no understanding, like there in verse sixteen. There, it's um, it's that kind of arrogance that that Paul picks up in Romans. What was it? Romans chapter seven, or no, it was nine. I think where he invokes this more directly, where he says, right. um, you know, that he's making these these vessels. And what what's the verse in uh? It's uh, in verse twenty one. Has the potter no right over the clay to make out of the same lump? one vessel for honorable use and another for dishonorable use, right? I mean, God has the right to do what he will, and we really cannot be so arrogant as to say, like, oh, we don't have a maker, or I I made myself, or whatever else we might say. And and, and it's also, you know, you kind of be careful with the the idea of predestination, too, where if you look in in Timothy, uh, where where it says that... uh, you know, God makes us to be uh, saved, but we but we turn out ourselves, or it's our own fault that we're damned. And that's that's. And, and in other words, we we are the ones who who make our our you know become vessels, which are then to be discarded. Right. Well, I mean, he does make vessels, right? He doesn't actually like make just like you know pre-made potsherds and pre-made right. you know chunks of of pottery, right? I mean, he actually right. makes vessels, you know, that have like a a certain shape for a particular purpose, right? It's to be filled, right? Yes. Um, you know, and and so it, it's it's there. Um, but we, we subvert and we come up with our own purposes, right? We say, like, oh, I don't like the reason why God made me. I'd like to be something else, and that's what happens. Exactly. So, we see a lot of that going on nowadays, don't we? <laughs> it's, it's, I mean, absolutely. You see it in every age, and our, and our age has come up with its own ways of doing it, but it's the same old. And um, so I, want, I do want to save, like, some time here for this second part, though. So that's the part that, you know, Paul picks up in Romans 9, but... Then there's this other part that gets picked up in Matthew 11. You know, in that day the deaf shall hear the words of a book, and out of their gloom and darkness the eyes of the blind shall see. And, um, I mean, it's really interesting here how those words seem to be very close to our Lord's um, response in Matthew 11, but he says something that's like a little bit different at the same time here because he doesn't say exactly that. But what does he say? He says, let me see here. I have this in Matthew 11. Go tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight and the lame walk. Lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear and the dead are raised up and the poor have good news preached to them. 
and blessed is the one who is not offended by me. So it's a little different, a little expanded, what he says. Yes. And, so and, and again, it's, yeah. it's kind of like he, he's pointing to, you know, again, God is the one that, that uh, is, is at work here. Mm-hmm. And, and that was, that's what Jesus' ministry is as well, who, who is the incarnate God that uh, causes all of, all of his wonders to save his people. Right. Yeah, no, he's taking, he's taking what you have here in Isaiah, which is a you know, poetic description of uh, the reversal coming out of the Assyrian siege, right, which is, you know, like, like the deaf, you know, receiving uh, hearing and like the blind receiving sight, you know, it's this reversal of like, oh, wow, we're, the siege has been called off, praise God, right? And now it's literally <laughs> the the blindness and the deafness being dealt with. Um, and, and, and isn't that striking, too, that earlier there was actually the comparison to is as if Jerusalem was being brought to death, right? Not quite, but then actually in the ministry of Jesus, the actual dead are actually raised up, right? So Jesus is taking all the stuff in this context that's just the poetry, right? And we read it, it's beautiful poetry. But he's taking the stuff that's in the poetry and then he's saying like, hey, look, um, because exactly what you said, God is the creator, he can do it literally too. Exactly. Well, let's go ahead and read just the, the last couple of verses here, and I don't know if there'll even be any time to say anything about them, but we'll read them at the very least for our own reflection here. So we read through verse 21. Here's just the last few now, verse 22. Therefore, thus says the Lord who redeemed Abraham concerning the house of Jacob, Jacob shall no more be ashamed, no more shall his face grow pale, for when he sees his children, the work of my hands in his midst, they will sanctify my name. They will sanctify the Holy One of Jacob and will stand in awe of the God of Israel. And those who go astray in spirit will come to understanding and those who murmur will accept instruction. So, I mean, very appropriate to kind of land on that idea of John the Baptist, whose ministry was one of repentance. And this is that image, right, that those who were murmuring and going astray are brought back into the fold. Exactly. And certainly through the work of Jesus, who went after the straying, who went after us, who were lost, that we are now found in him. Well, thank you, brother. It's uh, it was, I mean, a really cool chapter. Lots of good stuff. I appreciate the way you're helping us connect the dots and look at some of those uh, instances of wordplay there. Thank you for what you do as well. Everybody, that was Pastor David Boyce Clare, pastor of faith in Bethesda Lutheran Churches in Pine Lawn, Missouri. Thanks for joining us today. We thank our underwriters at the Lutheran Heritage Foundation, lhfmissions.org. I'm Pastor A.G. Espinosa. Till next time, peace. You've been listening to Thy Strong Word, produced by the Lutheran Church, Missouri Senate Office of National Mission in cooperation with Worldwide KFUO, the official broadcast ministry of the LCMS. Your support is vital for this program to continue. You can make a gift safe, secure, and easily online at kfuo.org. Thank you for listening and supporting Thy Strong Word.